All right, truth be told, how many of you did not do it? No. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Life, and we're starting a brand new teaching series titled The Adventure Awaits. And we are excited and thrilled to jump in. In this series, we're going to be looking at the truth behind following Jesus. What does that really look like? But this morning, I want to ask you a question. What's the greatest adventure you have ever been on? The greatest adventure you have ever been on. So I'm going to give you 184 seconds to turn to those around you, don't leave anyone out, and just ask and share what's the greatest adventure you've ever been on, all right? 183, or 100 and, what did I say, 100 and something, 80 something? Yep, all right, ready, go. What's the greatest adventure? I don't ask the question because I don't have enough to say this morning. <laughs> I, I don't. But for some of us, when we're asked the greatest adventure you've been on, for some of us, we go immediately to a vacation that we had. And you're like, man, what a great adventure. That was an awesome vacation that we had. For others of us, we go to just life right now. This is just a thing, an adventure, this thing called life. For others of us, you went to parenting. You're like, man, these kids, that's just an adventure. And there's some adjectives in there as well, but... That's just an adventure of just raising kids or grandkids and nieces and nephews. For others of you, you could have gone into relationships to say, man, my relationships, whether I'm married or single or just at my job, man, those relationships, that's just an adventure. That's just the best word to describe it. And maybe for you, maybe school's an adventure. Maybe your team, maybe your future. You're like, I just don't know what lies ahead of me. That's just an adventure of just not knowing what's ahead. But I think for all of us in this room this morning, the greatest adventure that you could go on, the greatest adventure I could go on, the greatest adventure that your family members, your neighbors, and your coworkers and your classmates to go on is this, following Jesus. There's one word I would describe following Jesus. It's adventure an adventure. In this series, we're going to look at the truth of following Jesus because every other Sunday we never speak the truth. So fortunately, we have a series to speak truth. But no, we're going to look at the truth of following Jesus. And I want to put a disclaimer. It's not always great. In fact, here's truth number, number one if you're a note taker. The truth of following Jesus is this. Slide, please. Thank you. The thing you've been what, friends? One more time. The thing you've been? Jesus will walk you into the middle of it. We've got one person excited about that one. That's not exciting. We don't like that. You know why we avoid things? Because they're painful. We don't like it. We avoid it. But the truth of following Jesus is those things that you've been avoiding in your life. If you're following Jesus, he's going to walk you right into the middle of it. Thanks for the encouragement, Ryan, this morning. We're going to dive in and look at followers of Jesus, the 12 closest people to Jesus, and see how they live out this truth. But before, I think we should pray before we dive in, because this is hard. This is difficult. And I want it to land on soft hearts this morning. 
So when we really ask ourselves, are we following Jesus, we can say absolutely. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for who you are. I pray this morning that your spirit would rest softly on our hearts. Just begin now to mold and shape our hearts as we look into what is the truth about following you, Jesus. This adventure that awaits us as we say, I am a follower of Jesus. God, truth number one is there's things in our life that we avoid because they're painful. We don't like them. This is why we avoid them. But if we're following you, you will ultimately lead us right into the middle of the things that we avoid. So, Father of God, I pray for strength. I pray that we don't begin to tune out now. I pray that we lean into your Holy Spirit for guidance for this message. As for some of us, this may rip our hearts apart. For some of us, we may get all excited and say, Amen. But in reality, we just want to turn and run. So, Father, give us the strength. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone together said, Amen. Amen. How many of you like the dentist? A couple of us. All right, good. The majority of you, you like me. One thing I avoid in life is that. It's the dentist. Now, we all know, hey, it's healthy for you to go to the dentist, right? I mean, we all agree. I love dentists. I hate what they do to me. You lay in that chair, and my body just tightens up. I grip the arms, and I'm like, <gasps> and then all of a sudden, they get that, oh, it's just piercing, and I hate it. And if you're smart, someone needs to invent a silent dentist drill that does absolutely no noise so it relaxes you. And then worse is they begin to scrape your teeth. And then you're like, there's no tooth left to scrape there. And they're just picking and picking and picking. And it's just like, oh, I don't like the dentist. I don't like it. And then on top of that is they try to talk to you. Their hands are in your thing that you use to talk, and you're like, ah, 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 and, and then I'm sitting there thinking, do they really expect me to respond? And then should I respond? And then you try to respond, and you start gagging on all that stuff. I mean, it's just, and then for me, I'm a mouth breather, right? I tend to just breathe out of my mouth. You'll see me like, ah, like I just breathe out of my mouth. And so, <laughs> oh, wow. And so it's really painful and difficult for me going to a dentist because the thing I used to breathe out of my mouth, they're all in it. And I can't breathe. And then I'm like, they got the little mirror, whatever that instrument's called, you know. And I'm sure it's got to be fog proof, right? And I breathe out and I'm like, oh, no, am I like fogging their mirror and now they can't see? Like, it's just so many things I avoid. I don't like going to the dentist. It's painful. And for many of us, we avoid painful things in our lives, and that's just my crazy thing I avoid. But for some of us, we may avoid our relationships that we're in. They're too painful. I don't want to have that difficult conversation. I'm just going to avoid it. It's there. It's the elephant in the room. I know it, but I'm just going to avoid it. And we go on with life. For others of us, we avoid perhaps painful workplaces. You dread every morning to wake up and go into work. But you know God's got you there for a reason, but man, it is so painful when that alarm clock goes off on Monday 
and you're like, oh, I've got to go to this place. And you just try, and you get to work, and you just ignore everyone there. You ignore the coworkers, and you can't ignore your boss, but you try to ignore the boss, and it's just, it's painful. You just want to avoid it all. Maybe for some others of us, it's, man, you don't like reading the Scripture. You don't like reading God's Word because you're convicted every time you open this thing. It's just too painful. I just, I just would rather just sit and hear it Sunday morning. It's too painful to get into that. Maybe for others of us, it's too painful for community. You're an introvert. I'm an introvert. I love being alone. Uh, my job requires me to show some extrovertedness. But I love getting up on Sunday morning and teaching. But... Maybe for some of us, our introvertedness says, hey, this community thing on Sunday morning, man, it's just like we don't like it, but we know it's healthy and right, and you would rather be at home still, but it's like i got to be around people, and it's the right thing to do. It's painful. But I wonder if we develop a lifestyle that we constantly avoid painful situations if we'll ever grow in our walk. If we just constantly avoid everything that's painful, will we ever grow? I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you avoiding in your life? What are you avoiding in your life? Life will bring you painful seasons, painful moments. We can either avoid it or we can address them and lean on the Holy Spirit's strength and power in our lives or we can continue to do in life avoiding everything that's painful. What are you avoiding in your life? Now this morning I want to jump into Scripture and look at a situation where the 12 of the closest followers of Jesus always avoided this region. And Jesus is going to walk them right into the middle of it. So if you will, if you got your Bible or if you got your notes or your phone. Turn with me to John chapter 4. John, it's about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. It's found in the Newer Testament. John chapter 4. It'll be on the screen for those of you that don't. If you don't have a Bible, take one of the few Bibles home with you. It's our gift to you because uh, we believe in God's Word. It's living and active, and it will pierce your heart and change who you are. It's awesome. John, thank you. Got one more excited about God's Word. This is awesome. John chapter 4. Let me get up. Let me um, lead us up into this passage. Let me tell you a little bit about John. John's a character. John is a follower of Jesus. He's one of the 12 disciples. John is probably the youngest of all of them. Jesus has a really special relationship with John because he is the youngest. And John, if you read his letter... He writes this about 20, 30 years after Jesus, Jesus dies. John writes us this letter of his account in time with Jesus. And John, if you read it, he's always referring to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's so humble. Here he is living with Jesus for three, three and a half years, watching Jesus, the most probably humble person ever. And then he writes a letter saying, oh, I'm the one, everyone, that Jesus loved. Ha ha. He's so humble. But that's John. And we're going to look at this series as the 12 disciples. Again, these are the closest people to Jesus. And we're going to look at their life with Jesus. They did everything that Jesus did. When, they, when Jesus woke up, they woke up. When Jesus went to the bathroom, what do you think they did? No, they went too. They walked right in. That was following your rabbi. Jesus was a rabbi, which just means teacher. 
And in the ancient world, you would walk so close to your rabbi, the person you're following. In the ancient world, it's knowing as being covered in the dust of your rabbi because you are walking so close to him. Wherever he goes, you are right behind him. And as he walked, his sandals would fling dust up and it would cover you. And we're going to look at that. So everything, they watched Jesus, they, they were with Jesus, they saw his miracles. And the beauty is now, you, now years later, 2,000 years later, you and I are followers of Jesus. Here's the caveat though. Jesus is invisible now. The disciples had Jesus with him. Now Jesus is in heaven. We don't have Jesus. But what's even greater, Jesus tells his disciples, is I got to go because something greater is going to come on you and it's the Holy Spirit. You realize as a follower of Jesus, Jesus is basically telling the 12 disciples, those followers years later are going to do greater things than you guys. Like what? Jesus yeah, because of the power and presence of God is going to be with them through the Holy Spirit in their lives. Do we live that way? Do we live like that? All right, John chapter one, uh, John chapter four, verse one. Here we go. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees stop right there. Who are the Pharisees? Remember, he's writing the first century world. The Pharisees are the religious leaders of Jesus's time. Very, the number one group Jesus attacked most: Pharisees. He attacked them all the time. You guys are too strict, you're too, low, or too conservative. All you guys do is go by the law. Pharisees are walking around with their 613 laws, making sure, yep, you did this. Uh-oh, I didn't see you do this. And then they report, you, you missed rule number 575, uh, section A, verse 2. You missed it. And they'd walk around with a clipboard. You missed this one, you missed this one. And they were just so rigorous at that. And Jesus attacks that group more than any other group. But now Jesus get wins, and this is what he got wind of, that these people heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. John here is John the Baptist, not the writer. John the Baptist is a cousin to Jesus who had a ministry during the time of Jesus, kind of the forerunner to say, hey, hey, pump the crowds up. There's a Messiah coming. His name is Jesus. He's coming. He's going to be with you guys. The Messiah's coming. And all of a sudden, people are getting baptized by John the Baptist, but the Pharisees are like, uh-uh, there's gaining a lot of movement with this Jesus guy. And in verse 2, it says this, although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So did, 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 did Jesus baptize? We have nowhere in Scripture that Jesus baptized. It was his disciples that did the baptizing. And, the, and then in verse 3, it says this, so he left... Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So here it is. Jesus is getting word. The Pharisees are, man, the Pharisees are keeping track of everything they're doing, Jesus. And Jesus is, all right, we got to go. We're in this area called Judea. Let's go back up to Galilee. It's the region of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. 80% of Jesus' ministry is done in this beautiful region. And all of a sudden, we're going to get to verse 4. This is probably the least favorite verse for the Jewish readers. And it says this, now he, what friends? He had to go through Samaria. Now to us that may not make sense. Let's make it sense. Here's a picture of uh, a map of Israel. On the bottom you have Judea where Jesus and the disciples are. This is where they get wind that the Pharisees are keeping track of everything. And Jesus says, we need to go from Judea to where? 
Galilee. Now, those are like counties. They're regions. Think present-day counties. You have the county of Judea, the county of Samaria, up top the county of Galilee. Here's a couple cities to get us acquainted. You have Jerusalem and right across there, Jericho. Now, now John tells us Jesus had to go through Samaria. There's two routes from Judea to get to Galilee. Route number one is the blue line. It's about 70 miles. It'll take you about two to three days, the way that they traveled, to get from Judea to Galilee. But notice where they had to go through. Samaria. There's another route, though, that you can take from Judea to, to Galilee. This is the yellow route. It would take you across to Jericho, and then you would follow the Jordan River, which is very flat, but it is so hot. And you would travel up that way, avoiding what? Completely avoiding Samaria. That's a 130-mile trip. And the Jews did everything in their power to avoid the region of Samaria. See, the Samaritans were a mixed breed. In 722, the Assyrian Empire, which is way over in the east, comes and conquers the northern kingdom of Israel, taking all the Jews from Samaria out to the empire of Assyria. And then when they're allowed to come back, now they've intermarried. They're a mixed breed. They're not pure Jews anymore. So the Jews in Judea, we got to avoid these less educated people. We can't do business with these people. They're inbreds. They're mixed breeds. We just want nothing to do with them. So if they're going to travel up to the region of Galilee, they will go along the Jordan River and travel 130 miles just to avoid these people. And Jesus says, I have to take you through Samaria. Does he have to? No, there's two roads to go up to Galilee. But there's something significant Jesus is pointing out to Verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called what, friends? <laughs> it got real quiet on that one. Sikar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now to the Jewish reader, this is shocking. You never went to a well at noon. Why? It's too hot. You always went to the well to gather water early in the morning when it's cool or late in the evening when it's cool. You never, ever went to the well during the day. It's too hot. And all of a sudden, as a Jewish reader, you're probably shocked saying, oh my, something significant is going to happen. Jesus is at a well at noon. story continues on that Jesus... Um, he sends his disciples out and says, hey, go get some food. Now, can you imagine the disciples? We don't even want to be in Samaria. We avoid these people. They're not like us. Jesus, we would rather travel 130 miles around the place we want to completely avoid, but you took us here. Not only did you take us here and you're tired sitting by the well, you made us go get food. Now we have to do business with these people. The people that we avoid in our lives. This is, yep. Go get food. Go into the town and get food. When the disciples left, a woman known as the Samaritan woman shows up. 
She's a woman, let's just say she lives a loose lifestyle. Many failed marriages, sleeping around with someone who is not her husband. She has a conversation with Jesus. They get into like a theological worship debate. And then just about the time that the disciples are coming back, I can imagine the disciples just bickering with one another. Do you believe Jesus took us here? Gosh, the place that we always avoid, why do we have to be here? So much easier. Let's just go around the things that we don't like. And here they're at, and they're like, yeah, and we had to do business with them, and we had to buy this meal and everything. And they're coming back, and Jesus is conversing with this woman. And we're going to pick up in verse 25. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, newsflash, I'm the one speaking to you. I am he. I am the Messiah that you're talking about right here. Woohoo! Story continues. Just then his disciples returned and were what, friends? <laughs> Can you imagine? Jesus, we're in the place that we don't like. We're in the place that we avoid. And here you are sitting talking to a woman? Jesus, we're in Samaria. We avoid Samaria. And now you're at the well and you're just, of course, it's Jesus. He's having a conversation with people. Always got time for people. And it's a woman who's got a horrible reputation in the community. It's a woman. Men, you didn't speak to women in this culture. And you're in public, and you were married, you hardly spoke to your wife in public. That's just their culture they had in the ancient world. And yet here they come, probably upset. Jesus, you made us do business with these people. And here you come, and oh, Jesus is speaking to a woman. I'm surprised. Verse 28. Oh, continue. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Because they're chicken. They're too afraid to ask. That is not scriptural. That was Ryan's emphasis. Okay? 28. Then leaving the water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, this is awesome. So she said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Messiah? Jesus, why did you take us there? Let's go around. We don't, we don't want to even deal with the Samaritans. Here's Samaria, Jesus. Let's go this way. The truth about following Jesus is that it's not always easy. The truth about following Jesus is there's going to be times where you go out of your comfort zone. The truth about following Jesus is it's not always smooth sailing the truth about following Jesus is the thing that you've been avoiding. Jesus will walk you right in the middle of it. This well in Samaria for the Jews, it represented debate. It represented discussion. This thing represented bigotry. We don't deal with these people. We avoid them. And Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to walk you. I have to. I had to take you through Samaria. 
Because there's going to be a day I'm not here and you need to learn how to have this Jesus movement take off. And if you're constantly avoiding this in your life, you will never be what I want you to be. Then Jesus, after he has his ministry and he's crucified on the cross and buried and resurrected, he appears to the disciples for 40 more days. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says this to the disciples. And just imagine the disciples hearing this. This is Jesus speaking. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in where, church? Jerusalem. You'll be my witnesses in that little city. And I'm sure they're like, high five. Yeah, those are our people. We're comfortable there. And he says, not only there, but in all of Judea, the whole region, the whole county, you're going to be my witness. And Samaria. Jesus, you mean we got to go back there? got to go back to the place that you've avoided. I walked you to it once. But listen, you've got to go back. Samaria! There's a lot easier things to do than go back there. Jesus, yeah. And when you go back there, by the way, you're going to be my witness to all the ends of the earth. It's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. My question, I wonder, and question for you is, what's your well? What in your life have you been avoiding? For the Jews, it was this people group right here that this well represented. For many of us, this well could be our marriage, our broken relationship. I just don't want to deal with that. I don't want to, it's just the elephant, it's the well. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go where the people are. I want to go where the people are dancing. Little Mermaid, sorry. Um, I don't want to go here, but I want to follow you. Yeah, I got debt. <laughs> I know it. My well, I got debt. It's my Samaria. I, Jesus, you're Lord of everything. I want to follow you, but you're not Lord of my money. Don't take me to the well. Oh, you're going to put me this way. All right, I'm going to go this way for Jesus. I'm good. I'm good. I want to follow you. I'm following you. Don't take me there. Don't take me to my addiction and my habit that hangs me up. Jesus, I know it's there. I keep praying. It's there, but... Man, I want to follow you. Let's just go this way, Jesus. No, do I have to go here? Jesus, can we not? Can we just skip around it? I know I got to share Jesus with people at work. But I don't even know my own faith yet. Jesus, you really want me to go to where I've been avoiding that one person that I know that needs Jesus. They scare the you-know-what out of me. And I just ha I have to go, though? Yeah, you got to go share my love with them. Jesus, come on. It's so much easier. Can't you just deal with him, God? Why me? Because that's your will. And if you're following me, you got to go to the places you've been avoiding. What's your will? What's the thing in your life like the disciples 
that you've just been avoiding. Because it's too painful. It represents differences. It represents bigotry. It represents, you name it, you just don't want to go there. And Jesus says, i got to take them there. They'll never be who I need them to be. i got to take them there. So why address the well? Okay, we got, we got a well in our life. Thanks, Ryan. Real cheerful this morning. we got to go to the thing I've been avoiding. But why? Who cares? Let me just keep avoiding it. Church, when we address the thing that we've been avoiding, people experience the of God. Let's read this together, all right? Because this is so important. Important grabbing this, and we're going to unpack it here, and then praise team is going to come up. We're going to unpack it, though. Let's read this together. Are you ready? When we address the thing we've been avoiding, people experience the kingdom of God. The very first person that experiences the kingdom of God when you choose to come to your well and finally address the thing that you've been avoiding is you. When you decide to address this, this will change First and foremost, you. You will learn to grow intimately with Jesus. You'll realize that it's not my power that can tackle this thing. And you learn, you lean into more trusting who Jesus is when you decide to face the wells in your life. And most importantly, it allows Jesus to lead your life. So often we're like, hey, when Jesus is in the driver's seat, Jesus, hop over into the passenger seat because I don't want to go there. When we decide to say, Jesus, I'm following you. Thing is, I'm not following my plans because my plans is always to avoid the painful things in life. But following you, Jesus, means I'm going to address the things that I've been avoiding, the painful, hurtful things. It allows Jesus to be in the control of your life. But what's so awesome this doesn't stop with you. See, what we get the rest of John's letter in chapter 4 is that Samaritan woman, after Jesus, I have to bring you guys to the well. i got to bring you through the place you've been avoiding. After that, John writes for us. It's not on the screen. It's in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. People got saved that day because ah, we had to go through Samaria. Yeah, we had to go through Samaria. Jesus, disciples, you want to follow me? People are going to experience the kingdom of God when you go to the places you've avoided. You get saved. And then after Acts, we read that Acts 1, when Jesus says, you're going to go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth, you're going to go there. Afterwards, guess what? Some of the disciples go there. And we're told that the region of Samaria is overwhelmed with great joy. That they get saved, and it doesn't stop there. They start baptizing, getting baptized. See, when we finally realize, i got to address the wells in my life, we realize you experience, I experience the kingdom of God, but others experience the kingdom of God. It's easier to avoid it. 
But if we're following Jesus, it's going to be uncomfortable. And He'll walk you through things that you've been avoiding. I'm going to ask one final question to you. Are you following Jesus? I'm not asking, are you saved? I'm not asking, do you know who Jesus is? I'm asking, does your life orient around the purpose and plans that Jesus has for you? Are you fully surrendered to following Jesus, even if it means you got to go to the well? And I don't like the well. Are you following Jesus? The well in my life, if I can be honest, My well was this church. It's my home church. Grew up here. Baptized here. Got married right there on the stage. Went in the ministry. I said, Jesus, I'm following you. Wherever you go, I will go. Step back to Sturgis. I'm going to walk around it. I'll go wherever you lead me. Except the well. And Jesus began to work on my heart. I'm telling you, it's worth going to the well. I've experienced the kingdom of God in so many new, refreshing ways that I've never experienced in ministry before. Experience, looking at the number on the back wall, and every time I get to change that, 158 lives surrendered to Jesus. Numerous baptisms. You want to get why I'm excited about Jesus? Because it's a, or why I get excited about our baptism services? Services? It's because people are saying, I'm publicly acknowledging, I'm putting my faith and trust, and I surrendered my life to Jesus. This is why I had to come to the well. I had to come here. I knew I had to, but in my heart, I tried avoiding it. Thank God I did. I love this church, I love this community, and I just want to see more lives surrendered to Jesus. Are you following Jesus? I don't want to just do church on Sunday. I want to wake up on Monday and say, God, I'm ready for whatever adventure you have for me, and I'm going to follow you, whether it means today i got to address the well, or today you're going to take me around the well, whatever it is. I'm excited because it's Monday, and I'm following Jesus. And then on Tuesday, I wake up and I say, the adventure awaits Jesus. Wherever you take me, I'm following, I'm going. And then on Wednesday, and on Thursday, and on Friday, and Saturday, I don't just want to do church on Sunday morning. I want to follow Jesus. Are you following Jesus? I think for many of us, we know Jesus, but we aren't truly following Jesus. Where's your heart this morning? 
ไปซื้อที่ธรรมดาถ้าเราเชื่อในพระเจ้าคำสั่งของเราคือไปคือไปไปพระเจ้าไม่ขอให้พวกเขาสงสัยและบางทีการเชื่อในพระเจ้าหมายความว่าเราต้องไปที่ที่เราไม่ควรจะไปและมีความยากในการพูดคุยแต่รู้ว่าถ้าพระเจ้าพาคุณไปและคุณจะไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาคุณไปทางที่จะพาเราต้องการคำถามนี้ขึ้นมาอีกครั้งในหัวใจคุณคุณเชื่อในพระเจ้าไหมคุณเชื่อในพระเจ้าเรื่องใหม่ไหมเรื่องใหม่เป็นเรื่องที่ต้องไปทำและมันจะเป็นประโยชน์ให้เราทุกคนในวันนี้ทุกคนที่อยู่ในห้องแล้วทุกคนที่อยู่ในห้องแล้วทุกคนที่อยู่ในห้องแล้วทุกคนที่อยู่ในห้องแล้วทุกคนที่อยู่ในห้องแล้ว There's been some things in our lives we've just been avoiding. Takes a look, takes us back a little bit. It's really asking the question: Are you following Jesus? I'm gonna have in a moment, have us lift up our hands in a response to ready to follow Jesus. I think a response on the outside to what's happening on the inside, something just solidifies in our heart and in our spirit. This is yes, Jesus. I'm ready for this adventure. I may wake up not knowing what it looks like, but I'm trusting you, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm ready to actually say yes. I'm a follower of Jesus. Where you go, I will go. Something a little different this morning. I'm going to ask you to just shoot your hand up all over the place. On the count of three, respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside. The adventure awaits. Are you following Jesus? On the count of three, shoot your hands up if you're ready to follow Jesus wherever that goes. On the count of three, one, God loves you. Two, you will never be the same. The adventure awaits. And three, shoot your hands up. Yes, amen, amen. Yes, just shoot your hands up. The adventure awaits. You're ready to follow Jesus wherever He takes us. Heavenly Father, you see the hands, God. I pray. The adventure awaits. There's times of beauty. There's times of surrender. There's times of pain. But you're always there. Your peace is there. You're there to walk us in it, and you're there to walk us through it. Ultimately, that way, where we may live like Jesus and just share His love, because when we address the things that we avoided, it changes us. We experience Your kingdom, God, but it doesn't stop there. Now we look like Your Son Jesus, and others will experience it as well. 
Jesus, I pray that we just all surrender. Every morning we wake up and we say, God, I'm ready for the adventure that awaits. I'm following you. I'm following you. I'm following you wherever it goes. And I'm surrendering it all. 